All right, how you guys doing? So, nice, that was way better. So, hey, quick shout out. I just want to, so let's give a hand to all the moms out there, right? Happy Mother's Day. One of the, one of the few perks I get uh, to be up, there's a lot of perks, but I get to be the pastor and be on here is I can take this time to um, say uh, Happy Mother's Day to my mom, who is uh, not here in the state, so I didn't get to see her today. So, um, I know she's watching with some family down in the, my home state of Kentucky. So, uh, in all seriousness, I, I don't talk about this enough, but I am so, so blessed by my mom. Um, much of the good that you see in me comes from my mom. Um, uh, that's the truth. I, it, okay, if you think that I am, some people have said, Todd, we need you to just be more open with your feelings a little more and be loving. Let, let me tell you, any, anything you get, like the, the little bit I have is from her. And... Uh, no, no offense to anyone else in here because I know a lot of amazing women, but um, maybe I'm biased, but my mom is one of the hardest working people that I've ever met. And to have a kid at 17, almost 18, and turn out fairly, I mean, I'm here, you know. Uh, I, boy, I'll tell you what, that's a testimony to her faithfulness. So, love you, Mom. Um, darn it, that got me all emotional. So, we will uh, actually, and also that's an that's a appreciation for all you moms out there because you all do it and you do amazing things. And even though it doesn't seem like the world sees that, uh, take it from a son years later, they, it matters. And we will recognize you moms later uh, after service. So we got a little surprise for you. I want to read some words from Jesus. You guys good with that? Uh, in the Gospel of John chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 14, verse, starting at verse 1. This is Jesus. Now again, Jesus said this. This is important. I know i got to wake you up from your Christian ease. He said the, these words. He's saying it to you. Well, Tiny, he's saying it to his disciples. That's the thing about the Bible. He's talking to them. He's talking to you. It's forever. He says, your heart must not be troubled. Troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's cute, isn't it? That's nice words. Right? It's nice words. That's, that's nice advice. But it's not advice. He didn't put a question mark. Your heart must not be troubled. Right? Your heart must not be troubled. And I love this. He connects your heart being troubled with what? With belief in God and belief in him. Okay? Jumping down to verse 47, I'm sorry, 27. I can't talk today. In the same um, book and chapter, it says, peace. This is Jesus again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I usually preach on this entire section once a year, but this, we'll see. But I want to I read Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, that means asking, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Isn't that interesting? Ask and then thank him. Why? You only think when you get. If you were listening a couple weeks ago, I told you God's going to answer your prayers. Did you know that? Paul tells us that here. He says, go ahead and say thanks because it's coming. Does that mean it's going to happen the way you want? No, but it's going to happen the good way. I'm going to say this again because I know some I'm already losing you. See, I'm a drummer too, Drew. And the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many people in this room today, well, let me stop before I even ask. Do you feel peaceful? If you can't say that even 50% of your, your life, your day-to-day life is peaceful. What's going on? Not with you, with life. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that's true for me. 
How many in this room would say that you're anxious or stressed? Yeah, that's the thing. Thanks for being honest some days, right? Anxious or stressed. Now, I'm not going to call you out like I normally do and say you're fitting because you might not be comfortable saying this, okay? But I'm going to ask. How many would you say you feel anxious or stressed 50% of the time? 50% of the time. Most of Okay, 75%. Yeah, thank you for being honest, right? How many in the room? And I already made you say that. Guys, some of you go, oh, I don't feel like, I, I, so many guys in here, I know you. You've told me, oh, I don't get anxious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You have a different word for it. You call it angry? Yeah. It's the same thing. Anger is a secondary emotion. Let me give you a little deep thing for you for the rest of your life because you may not listen to anything else past five minutes. Anger, secondary emotion, which means it's tied to something else. If you're angry, you're feeling something else. That's just how it is. What do we do with the fact that some of you in the room, most of us, most of you that said you're stressed or anxious, said that even 50%, I didn't say 49 because maybe everybody would raise their hand, right? That 50% of the time you're anxious or stressed, that you don't feel peace. So what we tend to do as Christians, and listen, I'm not good at this, is we pretend Jesus didn't say it or that it was sort of like, um, I don't know, I always go, some sort of strange poetic word. Like it didn't really mean that, so we can't be mad at him. I'm mad at him. If Jesus told me that I promised me peace and I don't have it, I'm frustrated. What do we do with that? He says, don't be afraid, don't be anxious, I'm going to leave you with peace. That's what he said, and yet, everyone in this room, let's just round up here, said they're anxious or stressed, and those that are watching at home are the same way, or angry, same thing. Everything feels so crazy, and I'm not going to lie to you, it makes sense. Everything's so hard, and everything is so ugly, and everything's so scary and hurtful, and everything is so impossible. It's impossible, right, to be at peace, even 50% of the time. If I came up to you and said, hey, you're a Christian, you need to be at least peaceful 50% of the time, you're going to be like, that's ridiculous. Is it? Feels like we're on a, I don't know about you guys, I always envision, I guess I watch cartoons a lot. Have you ever seen cartoons when they're like standing on a little ball of snow and it's going down a hill and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then by the end they're like getting rolled under it? That's what life feels like to me sometimes. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And you can't stop it. And God's not going to answer you because you've been, you've been in prayer for 30 seconds. It's much quicker to grab the bottle, right? How do we reconcile that Jesus, Jesus told us not to worry? Do not worry. Not, do not worry? What do you think? Don't worry. Don't be anxious. And yet we are. Anxiety, worry, stress, it's crippling. It's crippling. If I wasn't a Christian, right, and I didn't know the gospel, I didn't know my sinful condition, okay, because that alone should be enough, and I just watched us and how anxious we are and worried, why would you ever believe it? I thought you said your God loves you. Why are you worried? We have accepted so many things in the church in in Christendom, as normal because the world tells us it's normal. Everything about us isn't normal. Everything about Christianity, that's the thing. You can't pick or choose. Some of you in this room, you drive me nuts because you think that you can have half a foot in and half a foot out. I respect the people that are standing out, and maybe they're looking, but you try to play in or out, and you can't do that. Anxiety, worry, stress, it is so crippling, right? If you had it, you know what I mean. It distracts our minds. It makes it hard to accomplish anything. It makes it tough to get done what needs to get done. 
It makes us irritable, snappy, mean, selfish, cruel, and it makes us feel like we're dying sometimes. Several years ago, I had for the first time ever, I'll be honest, I, don't, I never thought I felt anxiety. We didn't talk about anxiety in my house. P.S. We need to quit talking about it. Some of you parents, I'm going to be stern for a second. You need to quit talking about your anxiety all the time. There's a difference between sharing that you're anxious and talking about anxiety like it's something that can't be stopped because your kids see that and then they use that to justify their own mistakes and their own sin and their own stuff because, well, it's okay to be snappy at you today because I'm stressed. And that gives the message that it's okay for them to do the same. But we tell them not to. A few years ago, I had a panic attack for the first time. I didn't know I had a panic attack. I thought I was dying, if you've ever had one. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The reason I brought this whole spiel up to you is we didn't talk about anxiety in my home, okay? A lot, a lot, it doesn't mean that it wasn't there, okay? It just wasn't talked about. And, uh, and so growing up, I think, you know, I didn't know that. And a lot of us, the newer generation, even below me, you know, like, you know, 21, the rest of them beneath me. Uh, I'm not really 21. I, I didn't have a word for it. I never thought I was anxious. I never thought I was stressed. I just deal with it. And then my body, and I'm still in this pattern. Anybody that is close to me has seen it. It happens about every three months. I'm serious. I don't feel stressed. I just keep grinding, right? Athlete, soldier, kind of, I'm not a real soldier. Don't get offended. But that kind of mentality, go, 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 push, push. It doesn't matter. And then eventually my body says, no, nah, we're done, right? We're done. And at the time that I first had one, I legitimately thought I was having a panic, or dying. Who's ever had a panic attack, been called that? Yeah, you think you're dying. Right? It's terrifying. That's why anyone that says it now, I'm like, I understand. Back in the day, I'd have been like, what are you talking about? Suck it up. And now it's like, you can't. Your body says, now we're done. It can literally give you physical symptoms. Where is Jesus in that? Do you accept the fact that he just wants you to be that way? Part of the curse. If it was part of the curse, why would he tell you not to do it? Is he not keeping his promise? I ask that question. If you don't ask that question, you're not really thinking. If you're filled with anxiety and you've never asked yourself, why did Jesus tell me not to be anxious and act like it's possible, then you're not actually thinking about your faith. You just accept what the world tells you, right? Why tell us something that isn't true or even possible, don't worry, don't be anxious. Why would you tell me that, Jesus? Some of you might as well tell them what you really think. Why are you lying? Don't tell me to do that. That's not realistic. I can imagine you. We always think we're the best disciple in the stories. We're there standing with Jesus looking at Peter like, you idiot. Right? That's us. And we're not. We are definitely in the crowd. Right? We're the ones going, quit telling us to not be anxious. You don't love me. My truth is truth. That's, I think it's a whole other series. Never mind. Listen, don't be anxious. It's impossible. Impossible to not be anxious in this world. It's impossible. Surely Jesus must know that. Right? Jesus must know that. He's God. God made man. I know it's confusing. How can it be both? It is. Do you know how to, to build a son? Then it's okay to understand you don't know everything that God does. Those are nice words. Those are nice words, but they're just words, right? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. It's impossible not to be anxious, except that it's not. Has to be. If you're a Christian in the room, you are literally, ex ready? You're accepting the impossible possibility. You are. And just, just to remind you, because I know sometimes you get lost, you already believe a dead man came to life. 
Do you understand that? He's not a ghost. He physically came to life. It's possible. It is possible. I believe that we and you have bought into a lie. And I believe the media continues to, to um, continue this lie. I believe that the church has helped in their attempt to love. I think it comes from a good place. Sometimes in our attempts to make sure everyone feels loved, we'd rather them be anxious and loved than not anxious. Tell them the truth. Teach them how not to be. Tell them. Pray with them. Work through it. Figure it out. We just accept it. Hey, go to the doctor. Get some meds. Medication has its place. I'm not mocking that. But I'm telling you right now, it doesn't cure it completely, does it? If you've ever been on those medication, there is not a pill yet that makes you not have anxiety just disappears. It doesn't exist. Oh, Todd, if I take enough. No, then you're unconscious. That's different. Or high, also different. I believe we bought into a lie, right? We've accepted something as normal that isn't normal, and it's crippling our lives, and it's hindering our mission. You're dimming the light. It's distracting us, and I believe we accept that that's a normal part of the Christian experience. I know I should stop talking because you already got this figured out, right? Except every single one of you raised your hand and said you're anxious. Nothing about our experience as a Christian should be normal. We believe that a dead man came to life. We believe in a God who created everything. God does not want his people living in crippling anxiety. He doesn't. Bottom line. How do I know that? It says it. He doesn't accept that truth. We do. Truth. He doesn't lie. It's possible to not live out of it. Now, are you going to feel anxiety? Of course. He wouldn't tell you not to, right, if, if that doesn't come. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference, though, between anxiety knocking at the door, walking in your living room, and you making him a cup of tea and telling him to sit down and have a seat and stay for a while. You see, the dif- there's a difference in that. Jesus says, no, no, no. When he comes in, kick him out. That's personification. College. Anyway, he doesn't lie. It's possible to not live out of it. He loves us too much to want us to live in that. That's the one thing. So God loves you enough to not want you to live in crippling anxiety. That's not freedom. However, there's something else that's very, 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 very important that we need to wake up. So there's that side that's okay. God loves us. But there's a side that we're being selfish. See, anxiety tends to make us self-focused. And when we're self-focused, we're distracted from what? See, if you're awake. The mission. You have a mission. This isn't a game. I don't know why he picked us (laughs) to be the ones to tell it, but that's the truth. And unless every one of you told someone every day about Jesus, we could get better. Bottom line. Well, Todd, I posted something on Facebook. It's not the same thing. He loves us too much. We have a mission far too important. Listen, we are equipped to make the impossible possible. We are. I want to read to you a section from Scripture. It's really famous. Everyone knows it, talks about it, but we're going to actually read through it. So this is Jesus in Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 33. Uh, Jesus in all this section, he start, it's a scary section. Okay, these chapters, Jesus is starting to tell them, everything's been good news so far. We're healing people, things are happening, it's great news. And then he starts to say stuff, like, hey, some rough stuff's coming. Hmm, (laughs) right? He's kind of warning him, and this is where we pick up. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, uh, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. 
Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a store room or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Now, that's good, and people stop right there, and they're like, that's great and encouraging. I think it's what's encouraging is coming up. Can you, any of you add a cubit to his height by worrying? No, because I'd already be 6'4". If then you're not able to do even a little thing, this, this is the one that's encouraging to me. If then you're not able to do even a little thing like that, because to God that's little, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. Maybe I'll find someone here. Not even Justin Bieber in all his coolness was dressed like them. If that's how God clothes the grass which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? A lot of times they'll say, oh, you of little faith. Don't keep striving for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world, that means the unbelieving world, those that don't believe in Jesus, eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. Now, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Hmm. So he tells him, right? I'll give you the paraphrase. He said, hey, stop worrying about what you're going to eat. Stop worrying about your, your clothing and what you're going to wear. Now, by the way, everybody's like, okay, as long as I don't worry about those things, I'm okay. No. Those things are small in the big scheme of the world. Right? What he's saying is, even these, these things, stop worrying about them. Stop worrying. Stop overthinking. Stop thinking it's not going to come. Look, the birds are in the sky and eat. Are you worried about feeding them? Some of you do. But do you feed the ravens? Do you make sure they eat? Yet we have ravens, tons of them. Right? Flowers still look beautiful. Whether you plant them or not, they exist and they're still growing. Stop worrying about that. He then he goes, can you, I love this, this is deep. Can you add even, I'll, I'll paraphrase, an inch to your height? Can you add an inch to your height by worrying? I want to go, trust me, I would have already, I don't, I want to be 6'4", I'd already be there. I would have worried enough, right? It didn't happen. And I love this, guys, it's so encouraging. He says, if you can't even do this little thing, right, that's God showing off a little bit. Listen, you can't even do that. What are you worried about? If you can't even make yourself grow taller, which in the big scheme of life is nothing, what are you worried about? You don't have the power to handle these things. The weight of the world isn't on your shoulders. You're not God. So why worry like you are? Right? Sometimes we literally believe, I'm one of them, if Todd doesn't do everything perfect, the entire church of Christendom will fail. Oh, man. I, I don't consciously, but I do. I live that way. Christ is completely counting on me. If I don't get this stuff done, well, see you later, Christianity. Right? We think this. We live in this. And what Jesus is saying here is stop. And then he gives us, right, he gives us the, the comparison. I'm going to skip that because I want to point something out that I think you may have missed in this section. He says... The Gentile world, right, is the ones that worry about all that. Boy, isn't that true today? Right? Clout. I've been keeping up, kids. I know what's cool. Right? Showing off. Right? <laughs> I just proved I'm not. Anyway, 
right? The nice clothes. I'm going to put all that stuff on Facebook. By the way, adults, you may not be in Hollywood. You're doing the same thing. You're, you're taking your family photo, and you just happen to do it right in front of your new car. I know what you're doing. Hey, everyone, just loving God on my new ride. You know what I mean? That's what we do. That's okay. But that isn't life. He says that's what the world does, and he makes a comparison. That's not how we're supposed to be. And I don't need to tell you this, but over and over in the Bible, he says, hey, you are set apart. You are not like them. One is not like the other. This is cool, though. He says, in verse 31, he says, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Stop worrying about everything else. Do what I told you to do. I'll take care of the rest. And I already, I got so excited, I told you ahead of time. But this is so good. I love verse 32. Some of you need to hear this. Don't be afraid, little flock. Hey, don't be afraid, Sydney. Right? Is God saying that to you? Don't be afraid because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Notice he could have said to give you some food and nice clothes. No, no, no. You're worth way more than that. You think there isn't no food or drink or clothes in the kingdom? I, I'm, I, you guys are making me scared here. Do you not understand that that's in there? Yeah, it's all. Seek the important things and the little things will be there. Maybe it's not clothes for you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's um, status. Maybe it's perfectionism. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's identity. Maybe it's uh, money. Maybe it's security, right? Oh, I don't worry about money, Todd. I just want to be completely secure and never have any problems. And if I make enough money, I won't be that. Come on. It's the same thing. Keeping your position. Don't be afraid. And then here he goes. You're like, well, this doesn't make sense. He wants me to sell your possessions, give to the poor, make money bags for yourself that won't grow old and inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no monster destroys. You want to know what I think about verse 33, what the point of it is? It's not just about selling your possessions and give to the poor. It's kingdom work. Right? Because of the verse before he says, give you the kingdom. I'm going to give you the kingdom so live like you're in the kingdom. Focus on, he only gives you one thing. Jesus knows what he's doing. He could tell you everything. He says, go out and just take care of the poor. What do you mean? I got, I got bills and I got clothes and I, I know I didn't stutter. Go and do what I told you to do. I'll handle the rest. I'll handle making right, the earth spin. I'll handle taking care of you. The problem is, guys, and then before I go to that. And then he goes, hey, when you do that, you're focusing on what's real. Guys, this isn't real. Todd, what do you mean? It's not. This isn't real. You know, C.S. Lewis calls it the shadowlands. Everything we see is a copy, an imperfect copy of the perfect. The good that we see here, right, it's just foreshadowing. It's a taste of everything that's coming. But some of you are so caught up, right, in the intro that you're not even focused on the rest of the story. You're just reading the intro over and over. What's going to happen? Turn the page. I'm going to give you a clue that I'm going to talk about later. When we as believers focus on kingdom work, Todd defined that. Kingdom work is doing what Jesus told us to do, focusing on reality, which is what? Loving others as yourself, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and loving others as yourself. When you do those two things, I promise you, Todd says this to you, when you make that your focus, and it's hard to do sometimes, when you make that your focus, all your worries become smaller. In the presence of an almighty God, your troubles become very small. 
He's saying focus on that. That's the only place that is, you can really have security anyway. Notice he always goes to money. Why do you think he did that back then? Because you're all obsessed with it. You're obsessed with money. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're obsessed with it. Well, I'm only obsessed with providing for my family. Oh, and how do you do that? Because I, I know you're not obsessed with providing for your family spiritually. Are you? No, you got to make sure they're taken care of, right? But here's the thing. You can give them the world, and they not, and they not have their soul. It's still obsession. Oh, man, that's why I get so frustrated with some of you that are close to me. You don't even let, I don't even talk to you anymore about your kids. You don't talk to me because you got to figure it out, right? Nobody can tell you because nobody walks in your shoes. Nobody in the four, five, ten thousand years of human existence ever experienced what you experience. So arrogant. Drives me nuts. I just wonder, it's like, and someone, it's all, well, you don't know what it's like to be a woman. That's true. A woman tells you, well, you don't know what it's like to be a mom. A mom tells you, well, you don't know what it's like to be my, a single mom. Well, a single mom tells you, well, you don't know what it's like to work where I work. It never ends. You want to be anxious. Because here's a sick little trick about anxiety. It tricks you into thinking you have control. If I worry about it, then I must have the power to change it. No, you're just a psycho, right? You worry about things you have no power over. I'm one of them, okay? Does that make you feel better? I'm a psycho too, it's saddening, man. I could have chosen a hundred different ones, but, but I didn't because, and we'll get to that. I got a list for you. You know I got you, right? There you go. It's possible to do the impossible. You're right. It is impossible not to worry in this world without Christ. Now you understand when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It isn't about a football game. That's what they do, right? I can win this Super Bowl because I can do all That's not what it's about. And I'm just coming from a guy that loves football. That's not what it's about. It's about being able to do the things that God has called us to do that seem impossible. You know what's impossible? Loving an enemy. That's impossible. But it's not with God. Forgiveness is impossible, right? Some of you in this room, you're living in that. A root of a lot of your guys' depression in this room boils down to anxiety, which is coming around because you don't want to give up control. Well, I'm not a controlling person, Todd. Yeah, you are. It's just you're, you're, you're in control of everything you do, right, every your life. Oh, my goodness, dude. I, I'm getting old. Let me tell you why. Because I can't handle this culture that tells you that everything you feel is reality. I just can't, I can't handle it. It's insanity. It, they're, they're feeding you insanity. Your feelings, sometimes I want to go, bro, your feelings, girly, I don't know what you call a girl other than bro, all right? Your feelings don't matter sometimes. Because if so, then you, that guy who comes in and shoots 100 people and says, what happened? I was really mad at him. That makes sense. You need to do what makes you feel better. Murder. <laughs> it's the same thing. Just to the extreme. So let's come to that. So, so there, we're talking about you and God saying, hey, I love you. You don't need to be worried, right? We'll come back to this. But I want to, this is going to go, we'll see how it goes. Because I think there's two parts here of why anxiety not only affects your life, but affects your mission, your testimony. Okay, Acts chapter 13, verse 47. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible about who you are. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. Who's us? Yeah, if you're in this room and you're a Christian, you're part of the us. 
I have made you a light for the Gentiles. I'm going to change it. I have made you a light for the world to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. <laughs> I have made you a light to all of those who don't know me to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When God looks at you, he looks at a world full of darkness and sin, and you are the small bright lights that at least illuminate parts of it. Going on, okay, what does that mean? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Okay, what does it mean? That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He was healing us. He was bringing us to himself, fixing the issues, not counting their trespasses against them, their mistakes, their sins. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. I lost you. You have the message. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. Through who? You. We plead on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. Know God. Your peace will come from God. That ache that you're looking for is coming because regardless of what you believe or think, you are made to be in relationship with him. All right, we're building. See what we're doing? You ready? Told you a light. Told you what that means. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus himself says, you are the light of the world. There it is again. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You ready? Anxiety is a lampshade over your light. Bottom line. Hey, Jesus loves you. Right? But not enough to come through for us. Not enough to come through for you. How do I, well, what do you mean? What's well, the way you live your life? That's the lampshade. It's the cover. You know, Jesus says it here. There's many things, right? And it gives light to all those you see in the same way that it shine before uh, heaven. All those things, right? You don't cover it, but our anxiety dims our light. It dims our effectiveness. There are people in this room today, I bet, that don't believe in Jesus. And part of the reason is the way we act. Because you know what? I was one of them. We look like insane people. On Sundays we say, we all have peace. You too can have peace. But then they see you Monday. Ah, I have a $20 bill I can't make. I'm serious. Do you know how ludicrous it looks? Have the peace of God that transcends understanding it. And it starts at 6 a.m. on Sunday and ends at 12 a.m. on Sunday night. 12 p.m., whatever that is. I'm getting mixed up. Midnight p.m., Kaylee, a.m., I was right. Okay. That's what you guys think. That's what we live our lives, and I'm one of them. You know where I realized this at? This isn't in my notes. So last, was it last, was it last Saturday, the Saturday before that we, I hurt my ribs, those over there. Last, last Saturday, two, okay, last Saturday, those that don't know, I was in the emergency room. Now, I don't need you telling me I'm old, okay? I get it. That's your fun thing. You're old. Don't be young, whatever. Okay? I'm in my prime. <laughs> I can do everything I used to. It just takes longer to get ready and takes longer to recover. Here's the thing. I was in the emergency room, and I didn't tell anyone. I've told no one this. I haven't told you this. I haven't told anybody this, nobody, what I'm about to tell you. So I'm getting rolled in to get a CT scan. This is pretty, first of all, you want to know how I know I haven't been perfected when it comes to faith? Because I am really not afraid of a lot of things. You put me in a hospital, I'm a five-year-old kid. Because you know what it is? I have no control over my health. 
And I'll tell you when I realized it. So I get in there, and they, he's checking my ribs. He's like, listen, you probably got a broken rib. Takes x-ray. He says, by the way, this is not comforting. Just a little info for you guys. He goes, did an x-ray. Does says there's no break. I'm like, oh, good. And he goes, but those are only right 50% of the time. Why'd you tell me? That's what I'm thinking. And then, then he, he's feeling around my stomach, and I was in a lot of pain. Um, they gave me some good meds. That's why I'm, I'm still hurting. But he pushed me here, and I go, ugh, right? And what happened was he goes, hmm, very, this guy was so calm that it was disconcerting, right? He just, hmm. And I'm in agony, and he goes, okay, uh, well, that's where your spleen is. That's what he said. He goes, so what we're going to do is get her. And he turns to wash his hands. as he's, This is how calm he's talking. He's watching. You did a great job. But he's, he's washing his hands. And he goes, so, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get you a CT scan uh, because your spleen is probably, probably lacerated, maybe ruptured. And, um, you know, in those cases, uh, 70 80%, and he was this droll, 70 80% of the time, it would be a couple-day stay at the hospital. And then he goes, uh, 20, 25% of the time, we're going to wheel you right into the uh, operating table. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm always torn between, like, looking cool, right? Like, I don't care. Or going. And so, and I feel like he didn't leave me any room to ask. So he, he goes away, and I, I just sit there, and I go, huh. Because everyone always tells me not to worry because they know me. At what point am I allowed to worry? This guy tells me. And then I start feeling my stomach because he goes, oh, he did say, he goes, because what's happening in that case is your abdomen is filling with blood. Yeah. So, so when they walk out, I start, go, I start asking. I'm like, am, 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 am I, is my abdomen swelling? <laughs> right? And I promise you, I look down. I was like, boy, that side looks bigger than the other. Right? You're, like it's starting to swell, and I go, I can't breathe. So that's not going to happen. That's just embarrassing. So then they roll me, and this, uh, they gave me these magical drugs, and, uh, which I did not want. Another weird thing that happened has nothing to do with this sermon. But when he asked, I don't like being not in control. See, I'm preaching with you. But what he said was, he's like, hey, I'm going to give you some pain meds. And I was like, cool, what are you giving me? And he goes, I'm going to give you something. And he, he was very mysterious. When he comes in, they're like, I'm going to give you Toradol. I'm like, I've had Toradol. That's awesome. Uh, that one doesn't do anything to your mind. It just takes pain away. And then he goes, I'm going to give you a dib dib You know it. Yeah, Dilaudid. Yeah, she knew it too. <laughs> you know what that is probably. So I go, well, how long is this going to take to work? And this is a true story. And the guy goes, oh, a minute or two. And in my mind, I'm like, Pfft. Yeah. And he goes, I go, well, how weird is it going to make me? And he goes, well, it's not going to make you, like, confess all your secrets. I'm like, why would you think that? Why would you think that's what I'm worried about? <laughs> I literally remember thinking in the middle, why would he even say that? Do I look shady? Like he... So anyway, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, how long is it going to take? So I'm like, yeah, right. I, go, I literally out loud go, whoa. Right? <laughs> so they put me in the wheelchair, and back to the sermon. I've completely lost you. They roll me back to the CT scan, really nice lady. And, and two weird, crazy things happened to me, for real. Kairos moments. I haven't told anyone. Number one was I realized on the way there that the way that I was acting, right, because they have written in my notes, pastor, that the way that I act and the, and the, the, the faith that I'm showing is giving a testimony to them whether I want to or not because of that word, right? That word to them, whether right or wrong, says Christian at the bare minimum. I'm serious, and I felt overwhelming conviction. So I get up on there, 
The other thing to say is just how everybody's functioning, right? And then as she's literally sitting me there to roll me in, she said, I'm asking her, she goes, you okay? Very nice lady. I'm very happy at the moment. But she ends up, long story short, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm a little worried. Just hope it's not this. And she goes, yeah. And I, and I just do what I do. I was like, is it? She essentially said her kid is in, like, Riley's Children's Hospital. Right? As she's rolling me in there. And I'm sitting there going, you were so nice to me. How are you smiling and worrying about me when your child is? And in that moment, I don't know if she's a believer, but right, that was a testimony to me. Because she was choosing to love me when my mind would be far away. Maybe she's not a believer, and that's even more convicting to us. You, can, oh, I, I, you know, if you are known as someone who's completely different at work than you are anywhere else, like you're mean and you're short, oof, right? What are you doing? That just shows that when under fire, you know, the truth shows. We're ambassadors of Christ. God's appealing to us. I was an ambassador of Christ that day in the ER. The way I was already getting, in that moment, it was cool because a peace came over me. And I said, okay, Lord, if I got a role in this hospital and I'm going to die on this table because that's where my mind goes, I'm going to at least die making them say, this guy's secure in where he's going. Right? I want to live that way. And you should too. And maybe it's not health for you. Health is mine. I'm not going to lie. That's the place I get anxious, right? I don't, I'm always, everybody knows I'm a hypochondriac. I'm worried, right? Oh, by the way, just so you know how logic is, it only takes one time to, for me to be right. That's why I get nervous, right? <laughs> maybe this time it is my spleen. That's how my mind works. But for you, maybe it's, it's money or finances or whatever else. That's not what God wants from you. For you, but also for, for your mission. It gets in the way. So I'm going to give you today, and I'll tie these in, the keys to making the impossible possible. You like that? That's good, isn't it? Nah. Number one, boy, listen, every one of you, some of you, I want to come down and get a bullhorn in your face. You know who you are. Let go of playing God. You're not God. And that's what Jesus is trying to imply, believe it or not, when he's talking about the, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. He's saying, I got this. If I worry about the grass and the grass still grows and that stuff just gets chopped and thrown away, you don't think I got you? Let go of it. Let go of thinking that if you don't do everything perfect, everything perfect, your kids are going straight to hell. That they're not going to have a life. Some parents, I'm serious. That doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't care about their spirit, but it means letting go of all of the weight. They are on loan to you. You are not their savior. And no matter how good of a parent you are, you won't save them. Let go of playing God. Well, what happens? And, you know, Todd, in that moment, well, maybe if I worry and I poke it enough, it won't be that. Right? I mean, that's the reality. Let go of that. And quit lying to yourself that that's not what it is. You're playing God. Some of you in the room, you know, you hand your anxiety the other way. You're the cool person. You're always in charge. That's a joke. You just cover it with something else. And before you say, you don't know what it is to be a king like me, bull. My personality is pretty strong, too, and I just admitted to you the areas I am. You got them, too. And people see it. Number two, remember who God is and who you are to him. So we're talking about impossible, in this case, anxiety. God, I told you let go of playing God. 
Why? Because you already got a God who can do it way better than you. Right? Go read that verse and see what it says. That is humbling. Hey, that bird flying around eating, he looks pretty chubby and fat and healthy, right? Did you do anything with that? No. Okay, I can handle this. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you make the sun rise this morning? Did you? Some of you? Right? That's the big part of Job. I used to hate Job until I realized that's the point of Job. The point of Job is not, oh, Job got everything. The point of is, is I'm God and you're not. Now, that alone means he has the power, right? He also is loving. And if you put your faith in him, he loves you. You're, he is your father. I delight in giving to you the kingdom. Remember it says that. Okay, and the second part is who you are to him. You are his child. You are beloved. You are chosen. You are chosen. The love you have for your kids that make you a psycho hovering parent, some of you, that's okay. You love your kid. But that's the kind of love he has. He just has the power to actually do something. He loves you. Now, your mama, my mom, sometimes I think of that, right? I love my mom. You guys saw me choke me up. That love that I have for my mom, that she has shown me the most consistent love, right, as growing up, my mom was stable, consistent. God is more than that. So whoever it is for you, God loves you that much at minimum. Number three, anxiety. That's what we're talking about. You want to not be anxious. You, know, want, to be, you want to be at peace. I'm going to kick something because some of you, I, can already, I just want to come down. I'm not allowed to, but I want to come down and go, you, right here, this person, listen to me. I could. I'll get about what you can't control and worrying about what you can. Why don't you stop worrying about, um, you know, whether everything is perfectly in order and your kids are doing all the perfect things all the time. And why don't you worry about just loving because you can control that. Why don't you worry about praying? Why don't you worry about putting your resources towards people that need them, taking care of the poor? Boy, that doesn't get mentioned in the church very much anymore. Jesus talked about it all the time. How much time do you put, this is, this, you want us all to be convicted? How much of your week, month, year do you put to taking care of the poor? I take care of me, I'm poor, Todd. How much time? It's, then it's not enough. Kingdom work. Telling people about Jesus, showing people, loving. You know, you can serve... You can serve God and forget why you're doing what you're doing. Put your time, energy, and focus on that. I'm serious. That is tangible advice. That's not just pastor advice. When you focus on serving other people, your worries become smaller. I bet you that's how that mom that day was able to get through her kid being at the hospital. What she was choosing to pour into me and love me. And she was genuinely nice. Number four. Worship. Love, live, and serve. Why would I put all on there? Just live, man. Oh, my goodness. Some of you, you know, you just need to slow down and live. You can't take any of this with you. That's what Jesus is saying, right? Quit focusing on that. You're not, you've heard the saying, the people on their deathbed aren't going, man, I wish I had worked more. Man, I wish I had gotten the lawn mowed. I wish I'd have gotten, you know, that new house. That's not what people are thinking. I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have loved better. I wish I would have served better. I wish I would have showed people more. I wish I would have, right, lived more. Do you know as a Christian you're allowed to? Because I can argue, you're allowed to go out there and just live. You are free. You are free. 
happens. That's why I always bring up sin all the time, man. And like the focus, the, the hyper worship of sin, man. You, we constantly talk about that to the point that we don't live. Listen, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus, I got to go by what you say, the fruit in your life. If you know him, I ain't worried about sin in your life. You're going to overcome it. Okay, I'll tell you when you're messing up. You tell me. And in the meantime, why don't you just go out there and live life and laugh. Some of you just need to laugh. You know, those belly laughs. I had one last week that hurt. Like, my stomach hurt so bad it was like hurt the next day. Okay? That's a true story. It's AJ, man. He makes me laugh. At him. No. Right? And number five, let go of playing God. Oh, why do you say that again? Let go of playing God. I know. I have sympathy for you guys. I know what it is. That doesn't mean the things you're worried about aren't real. It's a, it doesn't mean don't take care of your business, right? So let's say money. I'm overwhelmed. My gosh, ah, uh, yeah. Spend a little less on Dairy Queen, okay? Go to work the next morning. But beyond that, worrying doesn't add a single dollar to your bank account. My kids, my kids, love them, teach them, discipline them, and love them again, and go to bed and do it again. Because we all know those kids who had the perfect life, and guess what? They ain't perfect, are they? Because the bottom line is all you can do is equip them to make the choice you had to make. If you're in this room and you're a believer, you came to the point in your life when you had to make a decision for Christ or for not, you can't make them avoid that decision, and you can't make it for them. I bring that up because I know our church, and that's a big one. Some of you moms especially, I know you love your kids. That's, that's Mother's Day, right? You are supposed to. But they have a father, right? They have their dad here on earth, but they've got a father too that's promised you. He said, I'll take care of it. And some of you in the room, you just want peace, right? In general. I love it, man. You know, when people that don't know God, all of a sudden they recognize, I don't have peace. It shows me that you're very smart and you're thinking about life because the truth is you're just aware of something that some people go their whole lives until they're about to die before they realize none of this stuff that I'm doing, the excelling money, status, success, it's not bringing me the peace that I want. It can't. I'm just going to play some music. I want to leave one other thing with you because let go of playing God. I have one other thing that's not on here after I just talked about worshiping sin, but I think it's important. If you're a believer and you're living, right, and doing sinful things that you're not sharing with people, that's part of your anxiety. You don't need to share with the whole world. That's creepy, weird cult stuff, okay? I agree with you. But you need to tell someone. That stuff eats at you and it makes you anxious because you're afraid of the next door opening. Who's going to find out? Who's going to know my secret? Sometimes that's a big cause of our anxiety. It's never about shaming you. It's not about knowing the gossip. It's about freeing you from that anxiety. Guys, my biggest mistakes in my life is when I believed that no one would care they would see me as my mistakes, see me as my sin, and so I lived them. And you know what's funny? It only made it worse. So I want to ask some of you in the room today. I know, you know, there's two threads here. Are you at peace? God didn't lie. Some of you don't want peace. 
You want, you want faith like you want drugs. Give me something that makes me good for 15 minutes and give me something I can throw away when I want to go have a party, right? You're just wasting time. You're just wasting time. I had somebody this week tell me they were worried, you know. I've had two people, actually, two different people saying, you know, I just don't know if I believe in this God stuff. I don't agree with God. So what? Why don't you look at the sun and say you don't agree with it and then go stand out in it? I don't agree with being burned. Who cares? I don't agree with gravity. Mm-hmm. Jump out of a plane without a parachute. Stop worrying about... See, when, you're, when you start with a phrase like that, I don't agree. Who's God? Who's the judge of truth? You? If you were a good God, you wouldn't be anxious. Are you accepting the possible is impossible? Are you accepting that we're supposed to not have peace? I do sometimes. I literally, this is preaching to me. I, I live in this place where I'm like, that's cool, God, but it's still relying on me. Something you got to let go. Can you honestly say that you aren't controlled by anxiety and worry? If you were one of the, the you know, brave people, and I bet there's more in here. If you're one of the people, you raise your hand and say, yes, I'm stressed and anxious. Yes, I'm stressed and anxious 50% of the time, 75% of the time, 49% of the time. That's too high. And you wonder why you don't want to, you don't want to go to church. You don't want to be in a relationship. You don't want to serve. You don't want to do anything. Who, you wouldn't want to do anything except lay in your bed. You can't even hide from it there. Can you say that you have peace? Because God promises a peace that transcends understanding. You know what that means? It means a peace that doesn't make any sense. Have you ever met people like that? I met one. She's a nurse at the hospital. She had peace when it didn't make sense because her kids in a, and, you know, I didn't even ask what was wrong. But I know it's pretty serious if, if, if they're there long term because she mentioned her husband has to stay there with him. That doesn't make sense. It's not a joke. God doesn't lie. You don't have to live this way, guys. You don't. If this is speaking to you at all, will you listen to this? I'm going to say it again. You don't have to live this way. Every day, it takes every day. You might have to wake up every morning and say, God, you're God and I'm not. I trust you. And before you put your head on that pillow at night, I trust you, God. You feel anxiety coming on at lunch? Anyone close to me? That's what Jesus did. I envision, right? Anytime he got anxious, how do I know? It said he was around the crowds too much. He went alone. And you know what he did? He breathed and he prayed and he slowed down. Anxiety, not only does God not want you to live there, but you understand that you are dimming your light. Anxiety dims your light. Your testimony is weakened when your life is ruined and ruled by anxiety. You don't do what God tells you to do. That's why he says, do kingdom work. Focus on the kingdom, and I promise to handle the rest. Do what I told you to do. I will keep my promise. You do your end. That's it. And the heartbreaking thing so many times when I do messages like this is I'm going to go back there. And some of you are just going to ignore me and ignore God. 
And you're going to walk out of here and you're going to pick your big anxiety coat, put it back on because it makes you feel safe. You'd rather be miserably safe than free. Safe. Anxiety dims your testimony. Stop letting it. Focus on your mission, guys. You, it's so important. Like the nurse at the place. What if I didn't know Jesus? I know me. I'm very, I have a lot of questions. I said, how are you not worried? I don't know why I didn't ask her. I think I knew. But I know I would have then. Why? I don't get it. What are you doing here? It makes people ask why. You see what I mean? Why are you not worried? I bring it up all the time. Andy knows what I'm talking about. John, you know, this is, he's just a symbol to me, man. The guy was dying of cancer while he's scrubbing toilets. That's so mind-blowing. He never talked about it. He was only worried about me getting married, obsessed with it. <laughs> Also making sure that I wasn't constipated. <laughs> it's true. He gave me Miralax all the time. Right? I mean, that's the guy. He just, he loved me. He just was so, he, he didn't have time to worry because he's so focused on loving. The only time I knew it got really bad is when I stopped seeing John. Because every time I saw John, he asked about me. He was serving kids. He was doing kingdom work. And the beauty is, is that he went home. And now he has all that treasure, the real stuff. I have no doubt in my mind. And I'm still talking about John, what, 10 years later? And I will for the next 10, 20, 30. Because his, his light wasn't dimmed by anxiety in a moment that would make most of us give up. Right? To the end, that dude served the kingdom. So that's it. That's all I got for you today. I want to tell you something if you're in the room and you don't know Jesus. I know I went long today. I do it. I'm a preacher. <sighs> you've always wondered, what is Christianity? I'm going to tell you what it is, very simply. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. God made everything perfect. Well, Todd, how do you do that? I don't know. He's God. Ask him someday, but he did. And he said, this was his one rule, not the Ten Commandments, his one rule. I'm God. You're not. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. That's what the tree was. That's what it meant. And when we decided not to do that, when we rejected him, because we already knew good, when we rejected that and said, no, God, I will be the one who says what right and wrong is. We see what happens when the kid takes the wheel, right? When the creation walks away from the creator and we see a world without God guiding it, it's chaos and destruction and emptiness and brokenness and murder, despair and disease. We were separated by God in that moment. Why? God is good and God is holy. So if you're logical, stay with me. Can you have something good and holy be with something that is not good and holy? No. You can't have spoiled milk and good milk together. It spoils all the milk. You can't have a pure white snowball and a mud ball touching each other or the snowball won't be white. He can't do it. And so we, whether we want to believe it or not, are guilty. Well, what's that? Isn't, I'm a good person. No. When the standard is perfection, you're not a good person. It says our best actions are like filthy rags to a holy God. That's tough. But here's the beauty. God said, I'm going to make a way for you to come home. He had a plan from the beginning. We had, we, I think we had to learn what it is to be a way, to do it our way. And then Jesus Christ, God made man, Jesus of Nazareth existed. I had someone recently tell me, somebody at work said to me, told me he isn't real. That person is a loon. No, in, no intelligent person would deny that. Jesus of Nazareth existed. It's a fact. So, C.S. Lewis, I say every week, he's one of three things. He's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he is who he said he was. And if he is who he said he was, here's the message. He's God-made man. He told us how to live, and he did the impossible. What did he do? He bridged the gap again between creation and the creator, between us and God. He enabled us to be back with God. He paid the price. Why? So that we can be clean. 
He became sin. He became all our mistakes so that we don't have to be judged by them. And he died. The father turned his back on him. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says this. If you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Does that mean you don't have questions? No. That's not faith. Faith is walking and trusting even with the questions. So whatever you do, wherever you're at in this this paradigm that I'm sharing, wherever you're at in life, this time, this altar time is for you to decide and respond to God in whatever way you want. There'll be people up here ready to pray for you. The altar's here if you need to pray to God and release some of that anxiety. Confess it. God, I've been anxious. I've been playing God. And if you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, those people will pray with you. I'll pray with you. Don't walk in here the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.